0: Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast, the show dedicated to bring you the news from the oil patch deep in the heart of Texas, with your hosts, Ryan Ray and Josh Shelton.
1: Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast. We appreciate you tuning in. This is episode 66. I'm your host, Josh Shelton, with my friend and co-host, Ryan Ray. Ryan, how's the, how's the weather going down there in Texas, man?
0: Man, I was down in Laredo yesterday with the good folks at uh, Lissy Energy. It was hot down there, back up closer to the DFW area today, and it's hot up here. So it's just hot. It's Yeah, you know, I I saw an
1: article, Ryan, about some like Sahara uh, winds that were coming into the Houston area. Did you uh, see, hear, feel any of that when you were in Laredo?
0: You know, it was kind of windy down there. It was kind of windy. Up here where I'm at, you we know, get wind from time to time obviously in the winter we get wind like crazy can you know it freezes you to death but uh you know it was there were some winds down there but i wasn't down there i drove in and drove back out so i wasn't uh was down there for that long got to go and uh hang out with those folks at lissy and uh you know my first time in laredo so it was kind of good to go and see and went to the border and just kind of toured the town there and you know it's, it's, it's a lot bigger than i thought it was there's like 250,000 people in laredo and so uh a lot bigger of a city than i had envisioned and so anyways I, I had a good time doing that and uh you know it's always good to get out and meet the folks and uh kiss the babies if you will yeah
1: well ryan you know we had uh last week i went over a few of the written reviews we had two two ratings that come in this week no written reviews we just want to give a shout out to whoever went on there and rated us on itunes we appreciate it ryan i know um I know we have a lot to, to jump into today. There's several articles, but uh, before we do, I know we mentioned a certain event that was coming up, I believe, in July. Wasn't yeah. it at the end, end of this month?
0: Yeah. Yeah, we have uh, the Desk and Derek Club is having their, the Fort Worth Desk and Derek Club is having their um, their clay shoot. And I, th- I believe that is on July twenty. 20- 1st is when that is or July 20th rather and so Landon Morgan who helped set up the YPE event um, but right at globalenginemedia.com or look up the Desk and Derek Club of Fort Worth you can find information there it's on LinkedIn all over the place so um, be sure to reach out if you want to go shoot some clay up in Decatur um, it should be a fun event there um, also a second like sponsor which is again Drill Info be sure to check out your free $100 credit by going to globalenergymedia.com courthouse. That's globalenergymedia.com courthouse. And Josh, if you have someone who's looking to get into the oil and gas career, hey, we got a book out about that now. So if you go to Amazon, it's an oil and gas careers book, uh, myself and Alfonso Columbano to search either one of those names in Amazon, and you should come across the book. We'll probably link to it uh, somewhere as well.
1: Book's doing well, right? I got I got my copy in the mail all, uh, last week and uh, saw that it is continuing to sell pretty well on Amazon. So congratulations!
0: Yeah, yeah, we're excited about it. Thank you. And um, you know, we I get people, I had I had someone from Trinidad and Tobago the other day uh, was asking me about you know was it for them or not. And so I've had a lot of people kind of hit me up and ask a question. And my advice is go ahead and buy two copies just to be safe. You know, just <laughs> just go ahead and buy two copies. You know, the first one you may lose, your kids may tear up, or something like that. Just go ahead and buy a second copy just to have it on hand.
1: That's right. Well, Ryan, uh, you know, last week we had some, uh, I guess, uh, a glass half empty type of article that was talking about the Permian and the fact that the pipelines were about to reach capacity and how a lot of the drilling was going to have to slow down. This week we have two articles from CNBC that uh, came out earlier. This week, and they are both talking about how one is about the U.S. exports and how we're surpassing most of the OPEC nations, and the other one is about oil and gas drilling stock being the highest they've been since 2011, uh, which has been oil was you know what at its peak. So the stocks are, um, you know, they're they're having their best since then. So the stocks are doing well. So, Ron, one of the questions I have is: Do these things even take into account the article that we looked at last week, or is this looking just at a snapshot of where we're at today? And that's hard to hard to determine uh, because it seems, for all intensive purposes, right now the market's doing great. Uh, but I haven't been able to find anything about the pipelines and capacity this week. So I wanted to follow up from last week's article, but I guess it's really going to take about a month or so before we really track that track that that article and what it predicted.
0: Yeah, a lot to unpack there, Josh. Um, so, first off, you know, we are ending the, the, the quarter, so you're going to start seeing stock analysis. And we, we talked about um, at the end of last quarter when we had the Forbes piece about, you know, producers or drilling companies losing money, that we said, well, you know, people are ramping up, the capital expenditures are a lot, it's not really a surprise, let's see what happens. And so we're seeing now that, hey, the stocks are doing good, um, you know, and, and that's a surprise there. And, and that's what we we thought we would potentially see we should see at least that this if we came to the second quarter and the stocks were doing bad that would be a really really bad sign. but we're not seeing that so that's that's the first thing there um as for the exports the exports are you know um tied with uh with production and so as production rises in theory the exports should rise with some kind of lag behind that And if you go back and look at the production numbers um then you will see that you know the production peaked out. Uh, I think it was mid-May. I have to go back and look at the numbers now. I looked at this earlier earlier this week, but it was mid-May. I think it would peaked out, and so um, you know if it stays there or whatnot, you should see the exports to kind of be in this in this range potentially at least, Potentially at least, it just depends on um, what we do domestically with some of this whole. Now, as for the capacity and stuff like that, I think that what these two articles are talking about is stuff that has happened, not necessarily, as you're saying, what could happen. Um, And and so I know that talking to people in Texas this past week, um, producers, I talked to a handful, and uh, the the impression I got was kind of like I said last week, some of them – we're echoing uh, Pioneer sentiment that, hey, three to four months, things are going to be tight. They're going to slow down. And some of them kind of chuckled and said, yeah, we don't have that problem. That's a Pioneer issue. And so I think it's going to be a case-by-case deal. And it really depends. I was talking to someone about this issue um, um, the other day. And it, you know, my take was is it really kind of depends on um, – which producers take a hit. So if it's a small independent producer who's not making a big impact on the market and they, and they don't have any way to get their, get their product, to, uh, product to market. Well, those barrels coming off, it's not good, but it's not the end of the world. If um, XTO or Oxy or someone like that, you know, they have this problem and they have to shut in. You can see a lot of barrels coming off the market. So I think we're still trying to figure out exactly who has barrels that are coming off. And we're going to probably learn that over the next few weeks, uh, to a month, as these uh, CEOs have their quarterly calls, you're going to start to hear the analysts asking, "Hey, what about what Pioneer said? How does that pertain to you guys?" So I think with the next month, like you said, we should know a lot about um, who who could be slowing down.
1: Yeah, that's something definitely interested in uh, in tracking, right? You know, one of the things I wonder when it talks about the oil and gas drilling stocks. You know, I know you're saying that it's a snapshot of where they're at right now, what's happened for the last quarter. But there, I mean, wouldn't these guys be the be? The no, you know, seeing some of this happen, wouldn't that be begin to be reflected in the stocks? You know, is this say three or four months? It's going to reach capacity. Wouldn't those people start backing out? You know, say two or three months ago. I mean, have Wouldn't they know that already?
0: Uh no. I mean, you know, when I hear analysts talk about the market, most of them don't understand it. Like, like you know, I mean, I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just saying they'll say stuff and. This is you know i I'll, I'll, these people on Bloomberg and whatnot, and they they've never worked in the industry they don't think like the industry thinks they're coming at it from a very number standpoint and the other thing I'll say is, and we've said this before, and I just want to remind the listeners anytime you're following a big bank um a great example is this if you go to seeking alpha at the end of every seeking alpha article, the author has to disclose whether or not he or she has interest in the stock um these big banks when they're writing their reports and they're uh, uh, evaluating the stock, a lot of them have interest in these companies. And so I'm not saying that they're always writing reports to the benefit of their company, but I am saying it happens and to say it doesn't happen would be silly. That that just presumes that everyone can be unbiased and that's just silly. I'm biased, you're biased, we're all biased. Um, to think that you can't be to think that you can't be biased is a biased opinion. Everyone's biased. So when you read, you know, these headlines about what the stock's doing, what's not doing, um, and I always point to this one example about Brexit. You know, Brexit, I saw an article about it yesterday. They're still talking about Brexit. I don't even know what's going on there anymore. I don't follow that, but, but they're still talking about it. It's been like two years, and you remember the stock market just crashed overnight for no reason. No reason for it to crash overnight because they still haven't got that thing figured out. So, yeah, so I mean, these analysts, you know, everyone in the business has a different angle on how they're trying to make money. If you're trading stocks, you're trying to make money off of trading the stock. If you're an analyst, you're trying to get people to buy your analysis. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be right. You just have to sell that. And so I'm not saying that they're all bad. I'm not saying they're all evil. I, I do. We do analysis here. So I'm not saying that just because you do it, therefore you are unqualified. I'm just saying that no... Um, a lot of these analysts don't necessarily understand the business and um, you know how it works and, and all that stuff. So I, it, it's a logical question to ask, Josh. It's just that in my experience, a lot of these guys they don't they really don't understand it.
1: Yeah, and I, I can understand that. You know, looking at people that understand stocks, they may not understand the individual companies. You know, I, it would seem that most of these investors and in, uh, would be uh, what I would call responsible investors and really go in and research the industry, but. It's just usually not the case that uh, that people get to know the products or the, the industry that they're they're investing in to that level. I think uh, obviously there are people that do. But, you know, one of the things that came out this week, Ron, uh, something we about a little bit was some of the tariffs that the uh, that America has put on these different uh, countries and you know steel tariffs uh, that, that came out earlier this year. And there's been some back and forth between China and the U.S. And, uh, you know, some of the some of the companies that have been facing those steel tariffs and suffering under under some of the increased costs and and things that are associated with it. Uh, And we have an article that we're going to talk about in just a minute that talks about some of those Texas pipeline manufacturers saying that those steel tariffs are really hurting them this year. But, Ryan, there's an article that came out earlier, I think Wednesday, around Wednesday this week. And it talked about uh, China is about to slap some tariffs on U.S. energy exports. So that includes oil, gas, propane, uh, all those things. They're gonna they're gonna put some tariffs on uh, the U.S. exports that uh, of of energy. And right now, I think it was that we were around three hundred sixty three. Is uh, it three hundred sixty three thousand barrels a day is what they're pulling in. Uh, and I think just to give you for for scale, they're pulling in six hundred thousand from Saudi, right. uh, from I think Iran. So just looking at those two numbers, uh, we're we're a big player in exporting oil uh, to to China. I mean, it's it's been a, a pretty good venture for us this year. These tariffs, how do you see those you know play out? I mean, if if they put tariffs on it, is it one of those things where the U.S. can just pass those costs on to the Chinese uh, people? Or will it cause their cost to go up to a level that it's likely that China will just up that from six hundred thousand to nine hundred thousand from Iran?
0: Yeah, so Iran's part of the deal here. I'm glad you brought that up. So, I mean, this is just my opinion on what what Trump's doing here, and he's playing with fire. But I I think you know, first off, you know my opinion on this stuff. It's silly and it's stupid, and it, it it just hurts common people. Like I was telling, we were talking about this. I was talking about someone uh, about these tariffs for someone this week. And I said, you know, ultimately, my, my position is and I'll go ahead and give it away that I think it's going to be nothing. It's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to all go away. But in the meantime, small businesses could get hurt because they're playing these games. And there's no need to play. There's no reason to play these games. But that aside. Um, so what you have going on here, I know it's a text on guys podcast, but we kind of had to break this down, is you have Trump is negotiating with North Korea. Well, anytime you do anything with North Korea, you have to bring in China, because China is the only reason, uh, or the main reason, I should say, that North Korea could still be who they are. If China wanted to to lay the hammer down, North Korea would go away. They're the only ally they really kind of have. I mean, obviously, Russia is kind of there somewhat, but China is the big thing. So you have Trump, who's negotiating with China. Now, as you mentioned, China imports oil from Iran. I think Iran is like two or three on the list, and the U.S. is like seven or eight, if you kind of look at it by um, percentages ranking. Um, so uh, China is looking at this going, okay, well, Trump's wanting to get X, Y, and Z from North Korea, and he's putting sanctions on Iran. Hmm. We still want to buy, my guess is that they still want to buy Iranian oil. They don't want to give that up. Because not all oil is created equal. There's different levels, there's different there's different types of oil. So China may be looking at it saying, Well, sure the US could sell us more oil, but we need a heavier crude like Iran has. Um, so for me what's going on here is it's almost like um it's almost like Josh, if you you know, we, we both have kids, it's almost like you wanna take your kid to Chuck E. Cheese, but you want them to earn it. So you give them four or five things to do so that they could earn it, but you knew from the beginning that they were going to do it, and you're going to go to Chuck E. Cheese. You never doubted for a second they're going to go to Chuck E. Cheese. In my opinion, what's going on here is that Trump is trying to um, ultimately raise the stakes really high so that he can drop all the stakes, and he can claim a negotiation win, and hopefully he can get the North Korea deal done, he can get something done with China. China's hoping that they can get their Iranian oil still, they can still buy it, and the U.S. sanctions will not apply to them, or... There's some kind of loophole, so to me, that's what it feels like. It's just a bunch of posturing. So at the end of the day, the North Korea deal can get done, um, and the, the and that China can buy oil from Iran. I could be completely wrong hmm. about this, um, but to me, that's what it feels like. Now I don't know, you know, North Korea is such a wild card that um, you know two months from now, the the sanctions could be dropped and the North Korea deal could fall apart. Um, So I don't think that North Korea is necessarily the linchpin of this whole thing. I just think it's part of it. So I could see a a, a scenario where China and the U.S. drop these tariffs and China can buy the oil from Iran um, apart from North Korea. So I don't don't think North Korea has to be... um, um, the major player in this, but I do think they're part of it. So that's what I think is going on. China's looking at it going, U.S. and U.S. and China are both looking at North Korea going, how are we going to fix this problem? China's going, you know what? I can leverage to buy Iranian oil against the U.S. by putting pressure here. Trump's responding with tariffs. At the end of the day, they're going to come back. They're going to renegotiate all this. Trump's going to come out and say, oh, wow. Well, look, we, we, we threatened them with tariffs, and then they backed off. At the end of the day, he never thought he was going to do the tariffs. Just my guess. Because if he does the tariffs... It will be a, it will be something that probably will cost him reelection, um, in my opinion, because of the fact that you know you have folks like Harold Hamm who are selling Balkan oil to China. Um, the Balkan margins are tight, and he left the OPEC, he didn't even attend the OPEC seminar because he was frustrated about what's going on with this tariff situation, with China threatening to to, um, to quit buying U.S. oil. So uh, to me, this is something the Trump has to get done, or it could cost him reelection, um, especially if he loses support from the energy sector.
1: You know that's uh, that's interesting, Ryan. There's so much, there's so much politics involved in the oil and gas industry. It's almost like you need to have Texas oil and gas and then uh, oil politics around the world <laughs> in order to track this stuff. You know, one of the reasons we pulled this uh, the story on from China tariffs is that Texas is the primary exporter of oil, obviously, and so anything that that happens with China and their imports. And the tariffs there are going to are going to affect some of these companies in in Texas that are not only drilling but uh, transporting the the oil the oil there. And yeah. You mentioned the
0: well. I was just going to say, Josh, real quick. I think one of the things that frustrates me about these tariffs is is that this idea that it's a good way to negotiate. And I, I I you know I don't think it's a good way to negotiate. And I think it's I think it's kind of a silly way to think about things in general. To be honest with you. Um, and mainly because the longer this goes on, um, you know, it, it messes with the market, it creates fear in the market, and we, we want the market to be as pure as it can be, because when the market's pure, we know what the prices are, and so we always make fun of the um, the people trading oil when they bump up the price because something's silly, because the market's not being pure, they're just kind of overreacting. Well, with these, th- these, these threats of tariffs, the market overreacts. And so it impacts. And one of these articles that you pulled from Energy News says that it could it could um, kill plans to expand and hire more workers for this uh, refinery. Now, if I had to guess, the people who run the refinery probably don't think that's, that, they probably think that, like I think, they probably are thinking internally that this won't happen. And they could, that it's not a big deal. However, here's what happens. And this is what really, this is what frustrates me. Um, in the meantime, they stop recruiting jobs, right? They, they 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 roll that back. They stop um they stop buying the potential steel or, or working on contracts. They kind of rein everything in, and so that, that that takes money out of the working economy. It takes money from me and you who are you know bidding on the project or these people over here who are doing this, and so it kind of messes with how the economy should be running because of this fear. Um, at the end of the day, the people running the refinery probably don't. I mean, if they're, they probably don't think it's going to happen, but they have to protect themselves against it. And so, so to me, this is the fundamental issue with this, and I don't really think he has a good reason for putting these tariffs on, period. I think we talk about the trade deficit and all that stuff. It's I think that's – I understand the logic that they use. I just don't agree with it. And so, um, you know, you know it's, it, it, it's, frust- it, it, it's frustrating to me because you sit back and you go, what are we doing here? I mean – you know if if and here's what I'd say. I'll, I'll leave with this josh if um china wants to tax our goods that we sell to them to the point where it's more expensive to buy an american good than it is to buy a uh, a chinese made domestic good well okay that that that's their prerogative i think that's dumb for them to do that but if they want to do that's, prerog- that's their prerogative now and and just and i say the same thing here if you want to go buy a toyota you have to pay more, even though a lot of things built in the U.S. Why should you have to pay more to, build, to buy a Toyota? Um, because there's aftermarket people who make stuff for Toyota who, guess what, live in the U.S. There's plenty, plenty of people who make uh, radios and parts and stuff. So all of this stuff, to me, is just, it's really kind of ego-driven. Um, it's not an understanding of how the market should work. And it's really government getting in the way and messing up people's lives for the worse, not for the better.
1: Oh well, right, you know, you mentioned the small companies that are suffering under this, and the next article we have from Energy News Network is about uh, a Texas company that uh, that makes pipes for oil and gas refineries, and they're saying that Trump's steel tariffs will cost up to thirty-five million dollars a year, and it's basically putting a hamper and killing their plans to expand and hire more workers. So, you know, earlier uh, earlier this year, maybe late last year, they did the tax plan, and all these people able to increase their wages, give bonuses. These tariffs are just the opposite. It's just slapping taxes on some of these companies. So um, you know the it, these tariffs that go on these steel, the, the countries like Canada, if if we're taxing them and putting a steel tariff on them, they're not paying the tariff. They're just increasing the increasing the overall cost so that they can pass those right. those costs to the you know the American companies that are that are making this stuff. So it it is one of those things where these companies our, our companies Are suffering big time from some of these tariffs on steel. And, um, you know, I'd hope to see that these, I hope to see these things get removed. And a part of me understands that we want to get rid of the tariffs on the other end as well. But if you look at it the right way, if Canada puts tariffs on America, essentially what they're doing is taxing their own people because we're just going to increase price. Um, what, What do you think the best mindset on that, Ryan? If you have a company that's putting tariffs on America, rather than putting tariffs back on them and playing the game and trying to force them to go lower, do you just let them tax the heck out of their own people and and let them be, uh, I guess, unwise with it. Or
0: yeah, I mean, if hit. someone wants to be an idiot, let them be an idiot. You know, I mean, I don't. Yeah. I mean, it, you know. So the argument is, on some level, saying that you're hurting U.S. companies. And let's just be real. And this is where, this is where I think, as a as as a society. Globally, We've kind of lost this idea of you have to take a risk and you have to be willing to deal with the consequences of that risk. If you want to go work in China, man, Josh, you know me personally, more power to you. I've looked at trying to do something in China. That is exciting. High fives around the board. But let's just be honest. You don't have any stroke over there. And so if they're going to slap tariffs on you, that was the risk that you took when you went to work in China. Here's the other thing, Josh, you don't have to sell to China. So you could respond by saying, you know what, sorry, I'm just not going to sell to China. There are ways to negotiate from the business level that doesn't include the government getting in and impacting. Look, Trump came out uh, last year when me and David Blackman were doing Energy Week and was going to put tariffs on um, solar panels. I can't remember exactly how it worked, but some kind of solar panel tariff. And me and David both were on the same page. This is a bad idea. There's no reason to do this. And it was for imported solar panels from China and maybe Japan. I think it was China. Um, And so you look at this, and it's going to drive the cost of solar up. And so it's just it doesn't, you know, solar struggles enough as it is here in the U.S. to drive the cost up. makes no sense. Um, And it hurts the solar industry, an industry that's dependent on subsidies and other things as it is. Why would you hurt it more? So, yeah, so if you want to do business in China, and China wants to, you know, um, they're going to put some kind of tariff on your product to make you where you can't compete. Well, bro, you don't have the right to work in China. That's 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 China. You know. Listen, I've, you know, you know this, Josh, and I haven't talked about much of the show, but I've looked at working in Africa at several different countries, and the the hoops that we'd have to jump through it has really kind of given us pause on go, to go through with it. it. Well, that's that's our decision, right? We we understand that if we want to go through with it, here are the risks as we understand them. If we don't want to go through with it, well, then we don't. But no one's making us do that. And I think that's what we've lost is that if China wants to mess with the currency, they want to do stuff, then the U.S. or anywhere else is not required by law to sell them products. And that would actually be more impactful than um, these tariffs and all this other stuff. Because if you are exporting um, something to China and you can't make money for for whatever reason, just don't sell to China. And then guess what? China will figure the market will correct itself. So this is trying to manipulate the market to work instead of people instead of people going, you know what? I Man, it's just a pain in the butt to work in China. They're they screwing around there thinking I'm not gonna do it anymore. I understand, don't email me and say, hey, it's more complicated than that. I understand it. I get it. That it's these things are all linked together. Um, the point I would simply submit is that um, that that having government trying to make broad sweeping policies um, that, that that encompass entire industries is just not a good thing, and it makes it more complicated. It makes it worse. We don't look at China and go, "Hey, yeah, we want to be like the Chinese economy." Like no one thinks that. That's that's they're they're borderline communist. Um, so when we try to duplicate what they're doing to us, that almost seems kind of silly.
1: Mm. Well, uh, there's some better news, Ryan. Is there? Looking back to 2016, the industry uh, invested 50 billion in oil and gas projects. Uh, it's 2016. So in 2018, we're on pace for $110 billion in oil and gas projects. This is an article that came out from oilprice.com. And they are looking at some analysis You know, coming at the end of the quarter, like you mentioned earlier. And um, so we, the, the, the numbers that are being invested here are, are pretty spectacular, I think. And just to clarify, Ryan, it's since the beginning of 2017. Sorry. Uh, not since the beginning of 2018. There's been 110 billion in in projects so um, investments are definitely increasing and um, it really the question for me when I see all the investments that are happening a lot of that needs to be in the infrastructure but uh, it's getting getting some transportation and I'm, I'm going to mention a pretty big deal that was announced earlier this week with, with Kendra Morgan but um, I mean where those investments are going um, Ron it would you would you estimate that probably over half of those are going to be toward Uh, some infrastructure deals around Texas, Permian, port of corp uh, stuff like
0: that? Um, Maybe. I mean, you know, this is kind of a global report, which is good for the industry because we talked a few months back, I think on this show, about the fact that you might not, um, there could be a potential oil shortage at some point just because of the fact that, um, you know, when the downturn happened, companies quit investing in kind of, looking for new assets in in place. So when you look at this, there's some big global projects that you're seeing, but this is part of the thing that, so let's just kind of stop and kind of take our breath. We have a good report that we talked about, a snapshot of what's happening, but we have bad news from Pioneer potentially about what's going on. We have this tariff stuff. All that being said, I think that the long-term outlook for the industry is really solid, Uh, barring some kind of global massive long-term recession the the long term outlook for the industry is good, and here's why: this hundred and ten billion dollars. If you look at it and you say that, okay, um, one of the projects they mentioned here is Mozambique, um, and then there's also, as you mentioned, Corp- uh, the Por- uh, Corpus Christi Train Three for the LNG, um, and then there's something up in Alberta. So, as you look at these projects, you know, some are in first world countries, some are in developing nations. What's going to happen is is that as the developing nations come closer to first world type technology their demand for oil is only going to go up it's only going to go up and it's going to go up not just one-to-one so if you took a third world nation right now a developing nation and you brought up the first world standards okay well you'd have an increase of oil just based upon you know they'd have um, you know, more things that would require oil and gas products okay but then other things happen they start living longer well they have better jobs they have more kids, so it's not a one-to-one thing. So when we look at the long-term outlook for oil and gas, and you say 110 billion dollars is being invested domestically and abroad, that's a good thing. And I think beyond that, it shows that you know we are going to have setbacks. That's just the way the world works. But beyond that, the industry outlook—it's a great time to be in the industry and um, and you know just to kind of sit back and see these projects because the 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 the, the stuff here domestically we talk about a lot, like the the shin, the, the uh, like lowering the port of Corpus Christi. That's an important project, but we also need to look at these projects in developing nations because as they become closer to first world markets, the demand for oil there will grow, which will mean there's more demand to sell our oil globally.
1: Well, you know, Ryan, uh, looking at some of the infrastructure deals that are going to be coming, you know, last week we talked about, obviously, with the Permian, we've talked a little bit about the port, um, and we've talked about some of the excess natural gas that is happening in the Permian uh, without, you know, they're not even they're not even trying to, to <laughs> harvest right. the, the gas. So it's, it's become an issue, but there's a lot of waste that's happening. So Kendra Morgan is trying to capitalize on, on this by spending, investing in a $2 billion, that's be a billion dollar pipeline to move gas from Permian oil fields. So that's just an enormous deal. It's a 450-mile pipeline uh, that is going to go on, along the Permian highway, and um, I'm expecting this to be a pretty, uh, pretty exciting deal for, for the local area. The only th- thing, Ryan, is I see these deals. I, I just don't see enough oil pipelines being being developed. Uh, you know, that's my only concern right now is with you know the oil coming out of Pioneer last week. Um, I mean, these things are just so far out from being uh, from being completed. I mean, the ones that they mentioned, uh, I think three or four months ago, there was a few oil pipelines, but they just need more. I mean, it seems like we should be seeing these oil pipelines and people. Bidden to get some bill like every other week with the capacity issues we're running into.
0: Yeah, I think that you know the natural gas thing is a big issue as you mentioned, but um, you know as for the oil pipelines, I, from what I understand, Josh, that the, that the excess capacity for the oil is already built in and it's just go under construction, so um, or being, you know. Um, being built, being you know, railways right being bought stuff like that. So that's my understanding. That 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 I hear what you're saying, but on the flip side, people are saying that you know, um it's there, it's coming, it's already, it's it's already in the works, if you will.
1: I see. Yeah, we just don't know about it. Yeah, some of it. Yeah.
0: Well, it's like the epic and the other well, stuff. Well, uh, ron like, we have. I was gonna say, it's like the epic. Yeah, and this those takes so long be, for
1: one to be developed. Yeah. You know, we, well, Ryan, we've talked a little bit about the Port of Corpus Christi. I said it bit, there for a little while. It seems like we were covering that every week, uh, some of the things with the Port of Corpus Christi. Uh, this past week, a article came out uh, from Kirkmore at Workboat. Uh, it's an article, obviously, that is dedicated to uh, the Corpus area and, and some inland waterways. Uh, but it has a, an article that came out that says Corpus Christi to spend $217 million for ship, channel, and other improvements. So, Ryan, there are all sorts of hoops that you got to go through, like we've we talked about some of these other other nations. These uh, hoops sometimes require them to approve funding. They will actually approve um, approve jobs to start, approve the money to be spent. It, it seems that uh, it's got to go through several approvals before it actually gets put into practice. So, uh, we've reached another uh you know another i guess uh, a milestone where this money has been approved in bonds to help pay for work to expand the uh, the, the the port ship channel so uh, something we've been waiting on and I'm ready to see some of these jobs really get underway uh, but one small step in the right direction it seems happened earlier this week
0: yeah i think we're both kind of at this point Josh going we're not sure what any of it means but it sounds good <laughs> because we, yeah, that's we right. see articles right. all the time it's like well, this is happening, and this is happening, and I'm not sure what any of it means, but it, it, it sounds positive because, uh, uh, you know, I, it, just, it just feels like every time we, we feel like something close is going to happen, we read a new headline, new funding approved. It's like, I don't, okay. So, hopefully, we get yeah, well, all the folks uh, from the port was, to talk.
1: I remember Sergio came on, and he had some news that hadn't even broke yet uh, about the port, and the week earlier, we said that I think it was like 230 or 290 million was approved for the port. Mm-hmm. And then he came on the next week, says breaking news, he just talked to somebody that was there at the meeting and the uh, the job for the poor corpus Christi was being approved. And we said, Well, didn't they didn't they approve that last week? They gave like two hundred and ninety million to uh, right. to do it. So, well, no, no, no. Last week they approved they approved the amount that could be spent. Nobody yeah. gave any money. Right. And the job itself hasn't been approved. It was just this is how much money they're gonna allow to be spent. And then last week what he said was, "Well, this week we we approved the actual uh, some specific job um, specifications of how they're going to do it." Can I but just, we've only got like thirteen million. Can I just <laughs> so,
0: yeah, can I just approve the amount that they need and the authorization for the federal government to spend it right here on the show today? Like, I'm just going to go ahead and approve it. I'm gonna approve everything they need. It's approved. Just get it done. I mean, Trump cut the check, um, and, and let's get to work because it, it's it's at this point it's just it's just got to happen.
1: Yeah, you know, Ryan, I think uh, it's probably the it's probably what everybody's been waiting on is for the show to give approval to somebody. Obviously, they listen to our show, so this is so true. no one be surprised when uh when you know when this uh, really starts making big progress next week. So it's uh
0: yeah, it's all part of the plan. Trump, Perry, um, S- Speaker Ryan. I know y'all are listening. Uh, I'm sorry I haven't responded to your texts and calls and emails. I'm just busy, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, you you have my green light to hereby. Uh, spend the money on the Port of Corpus Christi. You're already stealing from us enough as it is. At least use it for good cause, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Mr. Strawbridge, get it going, man. Yeah,
0: I, I want my gift basket in the mail. Uh, I need a gift basket in the mail now. So, Well, Ryan,
1: uh, as, a, as a, one of the final things, looked at the drilling index, drilling info for the rig count, and we were at 1,112 today. So uh, we're going to really, I'm, I'm interested, Ryan, to see what that number does over the next 60 days. That's really going to be the key uh, um, to, to seeing how the rest of this year is going to play out. So uh, right now, the number is just hovering right there around the same spot, not moving up or down much. Um, telltale sign is going to be in the next, next 60 days what that number does. Is it going to drop down to 950 or is it going to go up? Uh, it's going to be a big thing to watch.
0: No, I agree. I agree. Time will tell, my friend. Time will tell. Um, Okay, well, I think that is going to wrap it up for today's episode. Be sure to check out the Descenderer Club, their upcoming clay shoot in Decatur, Texas. You can find out more information by going to the Descenderer Club of Fort Worth or contacting myself, Ryan at GlobalNGBT.com or Landon Morgan. Um, Josh, we were supposed to have on Texas Railroad Commissioner Wayne Christensen today, as we mentioned last week, but um, we have a policy on the show that if you cancel twice— or reschedule twice, we just go ahead and say that's okay. And so um he was gonna come on, but we uh had the two cancellations before we come on the show, and that's usually just a sign that the that we will never get you booked. So he will not be joining the program, unfortunately. Um so for those of you who look forward to that, we apologize, but um you know, I don't know what to say. Unfortunately, we couldn't get his schedule pinned down with us despite having it on his calendar a couple times. Um Let's see here, Josh. The the giveaway, the giveaway's coming up, so be sure to leave a written review in iTunes. If you leave stars, we love stars, but you gotta put some text or we will not be able to figure out who you are. That's coming up. Next week, Sergio Ciampa makes his long-awaited return to the show. It's funny, didn't we say last week we're taking off and then Sergio books himself to come on this week? Is that how, is that how it worked? We said, hey, you know what? We're going to take off the week of the 4th. And then Sergio, like... To stick it to us says, "Oh, I'm 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 ready now. He's on the six. Yeah, I'm ready to go. He's kind of a diva like that, you know. He's kind of needy and always <laughs> needs something. And it's like, okay, Sergio, <laughs> you know, we'll we'll work around you, I guess. And so, uh, anyways, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Sergio, you know, I was planning on taking the week off and relaxing, but no, no, Sergio needs his airtime. So,
1: well." Doing all the work this uh, this Friday, I'm gonna I'm let him head the show,
0: and <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> we'll just let him do it by himself. But uh, Sergio no, will right. so be on next week, and uh, again, thank like our sponsor, which is Julian info. Get hundred free bones by going to goldbeardenergyb.com/slash courthouse. You can set up your free account today. And Josh, if you need some Fourth of July reading, go check out mine and Alfonso Columbano's. I say that backwards. I always say it backwards. Alfonso Columbano in my book, um, oil and gas careers guide on Amazon. You can just search for uh, my name or Alfonso's name and pick up two copies because you never know what might happen to your first. For Josh Shelton, this is Ryan Racing. until next time, keep climbing.